Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome and good morning. I'm thrilled to have you again for another beautiful edition of 1111 Talk Radio. It is going to be a rich and deep conversation, one that you may find very resonant to many parts of your life. Before I dive into the content and information about my guest, I wanted to make sure that you know that the new edition of 1111 Magazine is up and out, and it is filled with some beautiful individuals that are sharing their wisdom and their light in the world. Each issue, I share six different people to model to you the power and the presence that we each have to express our truth, our light, and our wisdom in the world. So definitely dive into that. It is always free and always available on the website, 1111mag.com. I'd like to introduce you to my guest, Humble the Poet, uh, by a little bit of his writing that is in his new book, Things No One Else Can Teach Us. We all know that great moments fade quickly and bad moments seem to last forever. We promise ourselves that hitting that next milestone will make us feel better. But after a few days, we're off chasing the next high. We're always waiting for that day when everything we've struggled with, everything we've suffered for, everything that's ever left us feeling empty is finally magically fixed and we can live happily ever after. We forget that this sparkly moment in our fantasies always has a day after, which presents us with new challenges and problems all over again. It's a cycle we don't want to acknowledge, and one that leaves us feeling either lost and hopeless or numb and unmotivated. We look to others to help fix these problems and feelings, maybe a wellness guru who combines common sense with encouraging words on how we can use our personal power to make it all better. The guru's words feel good as we're reading them, but they didn't last long enough to keep us away from the bookstore where we chase a new fix of hollow hope. There's a reason we keep finding ourselves in these patterns. When we continue to expect our problems, our mindsets, our situations to get solved by something or someone other than ourselves, we are always going to be disappointed. The truth is we are responsible for ourselves, and that includes the way we see things. This sounds like tough love. And maybe it is, but it's also hopeful. You are the only person capable of creating real change in your life. And you can feel that real change only when you can feel it within you. Again, this is from the book, Things No One Else Can Teach Us, by my guest, Humble the Poet, also known as Kanwar Singh. He is a rapper, spoken word artist, poet, international best-selling author, and former elementary school teacher. His first book, Unlearn, was a Globe and Mail Toronto bestseller. He has performed at concerts and festivals, including Lollapalooza, and has been featured in many major media outlets, including the Huffington Post, On Purpose with Jay Shetty, and BuzzFeed. This message is simple and clear, and the way that he portrays it throughout the book through his own stories really does help us to understand that we are all very similar, even though we look very diverse and unique. The things we go through, the feelings we feel, and the situations we encounter all leave us better than before if we're willing to learn from them. Welcome, Humble, to 1111 Talk Radio. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. This book is a bit different than your first book in that it is very raw and honest and it is bringing 
forth stories from your own life, which to me is always very powerful because that means that they are integrated lessons and the examples by which life is lived is often the place that truly touches the heart in a reader or another person that you're sharing the story with. How did approaching this book differently than how you approached Unlearn, how did it shift you? How did it change you? Um, With Unlearn... I, I pretty much, you know, discovered the lesson or, you know, figured out the piece of experience and wisdom and then shared it in the book. With things no one else can teach us, um, instead of writing what I figured out, I started writing to figure things out. So I knew that, you know, we all have the power to, you know, turn our darkest moments into something of value. So what I started doing was instead of thinking about the lessons, I thought about the stories. And as I wrote the stories, um, I started thinking about, you know, what was there for me to learn from this? You know, what was the overarching idea that life was trying to teach me by putting me through this experience? So it was much more experiential going through this process, um, having to relive these traumas, these stories, having to be honest with myself, um, knowing that a lot of people were going to read it after. And um, I didn't know how each story would end, how each chapter would end until it was over. And I think that was a very key difference with regards to the first book and this. And now this has kind of set me up on this journey of writing to continually explore and and figure out myself, knowing that there's going to be an audience exploring this with me. You write in the book, we have the power to learn from all the mishaps and missteps. And when we look back, we can value them as teachers instead of experience them as regrets. There are so many situations that individuals can come across where uh, oftentimes people do look at things with regret or guilt or hold a lot of dense emotion from. And to shift to that place of looking at our experiences as teachers or as guides or purely as experiences is a very subtle but profound shift. How do you see that shift and how did you do that for yourself? I think realizing that, you know, I think there was the Bill Gates quote that success is a lousy teacher and realizing that, you know, all our perceived failures and, and hardships are our opportunities to grow. And I think very often, You know, nobody is free from challenges in their life, but not everybody has the tools to kind of recognize the value of those. So for me, it really was, you know, recognizing that I need to have a shift in my attitude, my perspectives, um, you know, my expectations. And once I make a shift in those, you know, I see the world differently and then I can gain much more value. It's almost turning my bucket over so I can capture the rain. The rain was always there, but the bucket was upside down. And pretty much with, with what I'm trying to do here is allow people to realize that, hey, it's really about tools. You know, there are different tools and they're not universal tools. You know, sometimes we have to zoom in to, to, and take a closer look to gain perspective. Sometimes we have to zoom out to gain a better perspective. And that's why the book's called No One Things No One Else Can Teach Us, because no one else can teach us how to find value from our pain. Um, all, all someone like me can do is share the tools that they've been using, and now you can add those to your tool belt as you start to dig and uh, mine for your own jewels. Well, one of the reminders that you give individuals through the book is 
that they're not alone, but it is work that we have to do ourselves. And so how, how as you were moving through this very intimate process of reminding yourself through your own stories, did you not go into that place of isolation or loneliness or aloneness that so often uh, plagues individuals? Depression is at an all-time high in our world, and it leads to isolation. It leads to um, suicide. It leads to so many different things for individuals. How does an individual, utilizing the tools that you're speaking of, um, make certain that they don't get sucked under by the very stories that they're diving into? Um, I don't think we can avoid getting sucked under. I think we have to kind of recognize that either we face these traumatic experiences head first, and you know we have the uncomfortable conversations and we deal with the isolation and the loneliness, or we avoid them, and eventually that isolation and that loneliness and that discomfort catches us. Uh, I think we're just in a better situation if we face it and we lean into it voluntarily versus having to be reactive to it when it catches up to us. Um, and we have to go through it. You know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but we're going to have to fight, claw, and dig our way to find it. And for me, I did feel loneliness. I, you know, I shed many, many, many tears writing this. I shed tears recording the audio version of this. And, mm-hmm. you know, if anybody listens to this book on Audible, you'll hear me crying as I read it. I, you know, we couldn't get any better takes. And I think it was an important process because, you know, it starts with you share your story, you know, the beginning, middle, and end of a story. And then next you share your feelings towards what happened in those events. But then the next step is you start sharing your thoughts about those feelings. You know, you don't let those feelings be the end all be all. You share your thoughts about it. And I think that's when you start to gain value from the story and the emotions that come with it. You know, and that's the important part. It's about, you know, uh, you know that famous quote, when you're going through hell, keep going. Um, you know, when you're reliving a traumatic experience, you know, the purpose of our memories are for us to pick up on patterns and figure out what not to do in the future. So instead of avoiding these traumatic experiences, let's kind of lean into them, make space for them, write them out, write about our feelings towards them, and then write about our thoughts towards these feelings now that we're in a safer space. And I feel like we're going to gain a lot of value from that. And not only will we gain value from these past experiences, we'll be able to approach challenging experiences in the future with a better attitude. The overall goal here is not to judge what's happening to us. It's to understand it. You write in the book, and and you do this throughout the book, you have bold sections within each story, which is really powerful because it boils down the nugget of the wisdom that you've come to, but the story in itself really helps someone move through the process that you move through from the head down into the heart. And one of the statements is wisdom can't be taught or told by anyone else. Only we can mine the jewels of wisdom ourselves. Integration is such a huge part because we live in a world that is very mental and mind focused. And it's easy to fall into that trap of I have to be positive if I just do my affirmations, if I just stay strong mentally then I can be somebody or I can do what I need to do or I can get through another day. But to allow that dropping down from the head to the heart and experiencing the integration, how did you experience for yourself more internal power? And how did that internal power then illuminate everything outside of you? 
Um, I feel like with me, it was, you know, a very slow process. You know, life happens to you sometimes. Sometimes you get to respond to life. Most often we have to react to life. And for me, it's, you know, revisiting a story that happened 15 years ago and now looking at it through the lens of an adult versus looking at it through the lens of being a teenager, um, you know, so much more life and perspective kind of come from that. And I feel like, and, and then also revisiting moments that had happened two weeks before I started writing the book and really challenging myself to be like, hey, you know, the, the wound is still fresh. It's still going to take some time, but we have to take a look at this. And, you know, what? how can we be grateful this happened? And, you know, Nobody should promise you a life without challenges. Nobody should promise you a life without unpleasant moments. You know, they're lying or they're selling something to you. Um, what it really boils down to is, you know, we have to mind it ourselves, but we can learn from each other and see what the best practices are and the best tools are to do that mining. You know, whether, you know, it's that tray that you got to, you know, shake around so you can find the gold amongst the dirt or whether it's a pick or whether it's a hammer, or whether it's a, you know, a jackhammer, you know, there's just different tools that can be used to find, create, or discover the silver lining of everything in life. Um, and, and it takes practice. And I think for me, what it was, was really a therapeutic method of just taking all the tangled thoughts in my head, and one by one, following the threads, until I could, you know, ball them all up into their individual, you know, balls of yarn. And, um, you know, it takes work and, you know, mental health and improving our mental health is exercise the same way improving our physical health is exercise. And an easy day at the gym is not a successful day. You know, an easy day typing out my traumas, you know, would not be a successful day as well. You know, I had to really go in with that mindset and I, and I was very deliberate with my writing process. I, I planned what I was going to write the night before and I would wake up fresh and energized uh, in the morning and hit hit the computer and, you know, get a thousand words out before the day could distract me or, or take any of my energy or decisions away. I find it really interesting as a fellow writer um, how I, too, went, as I went deeper into writing books, went into personal story. And what I discovered was it was a deeper level of intimacy that I was reaching, vulnerability, openness, as well as a willingness to finally see the shadows and the shadow self. Uh, as you moved through this process, how was the, the level of intimacy for you and what did you discover about the shadows within um, your process? Yeah, it's a great question. I think first the, the predictability of my shadows in terms of their dialogue you know, every single day as I began typing a story. Um, and, you know, typing a story isn't a challenge because every story is very, you know, has a very similar structure. It has a beginning, a middle, an end. It has characters and it probably has a problem and a solution or a resolution. And every every morning as I typed the story, uh, without even getting to the emotions or the, or the thoughts around the story, you know, a little voice in my head would be like, nobody's interested in hearing your stories. Why are you sharing this story? You know, people don't even know who you are. Who are you to think that your stories are important? And I recognized that very early. And I told myself, listen, you're, you're not going to even talk back to this voice. You're not going to justify yourself to this voice. You're just going to push through. 
you know, and, and it's no different about when you go to the gym and your body's like, look, we, we can't do this exercise today. We don't got the right outfit on. We don't got the right shoes. Our, our brains make these excuses to, to keep us from doing anything beyond our, our, our basic core eating, sleeping, and reprodu- reproducing. And for me, it was recognizing the predictability of these shadow voices. And one of them was nobody's interested in your story. Uh, the second one was, hey, you're telling stories that involve other people. You know, they're not going to like hearing this story in a book. Um, You know, the third being like, you know, other people aren't going to relate to this. And just telling myself, listen, the goal here isn't to accomplish any of these goals. The goal isn't to to make an interesting story. The goal isn't to, you know, make my family happy. The goal here isn't to make my stories relatable. The goal is to get the story down. Let's finish the story and we'll worry about what's interesting later in the editing process. And, you know, being very mindful of that and and setting a very simple, you know, binary goal. Did I get my thousand words done today? Did I not get my thousand words done today? Uh, It made all the difference. And I actually uh, documented my journey with a calendar. And if I got my thousand words done, I put a nice big X over the day. If I didn't get my thousand words done, I put a little sad face and I documented it on my Instagram and, and my followers followed along with me. And I, I forgave myself for the days I missed my thousand words, but I didn't let it happen for more than two days in a row. The more deeply we dive into our own stories, the more we feel like we're going through it alone. But Humble is here to remind you that you're not alone, even though you each have to face the work to do ourselves. The deeper we dive, the more beauty we can discover as well. No one else shares our unique experiences, and therefore no one else can show us the light at the end of the tunnels we dig. We can only share our stories and remind ourselves that we already have everything we need to find that light. This is from the book, Things No One Else Can Teach Us by Humble the Poet. You can find out more at humblethepoet.com. We'll be right back after these messages. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more? More joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? more empowered community, greater fulfillment, and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, 
guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course. Dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome back. My guest today is Humble the Poet, and we are talking about his brand new book, Things No One Else Can Teach Us. Before we dive back into that conversation, I wanted to let you know that the official release was yesterday. So if you haven't gotten your copy, you need to definitely order your copy, and you need to see him. He is headed to the U.K., as of November 9th, and we'll be on tour there. There are also some Canadian dates that are coming up, and I'm sure there will be some things in the U.S. that will also be happening. So just stay connected to his website, humblethepoet.com, and you'll be able to access all of those dates and all of the future information. Also, be sure to follow him on Instagram or on Facebook or the different outlets that he has uh, so that you can find out more about all of the amazing things that he's doing and stay in touch with his work. Beloved for his sincerity, playfulness, and sage advice, Humble has traditionally shared his message of self-discovery, creativity, and empowerment with his fans through music and written word. That message has been extended into his empowering books, both Unlearn 101 Truths for a Better Life, as well as his new one, Things No One Else Can Teach Us. He offers insights and wisdom that challenge conventional thinking and help you tap into your best and most authentic self. Uh, He flips the conventional script for happiness and success and shows you how your most painful experiences can be your greatest teachers. Welcome back, Humble. I want to talk a little bit about after moving through the shadows and moving through the stories and really letting yourself dive deeply in there. I know for myself what starts to happen is the, the grip of identity starts to loosen and there's this... Uh, way that you start to discover, oh, this is what I really believe, and this is what I'm thinking, and these are the patterns that I have. And there becomes choices in which you can now remain who you are and anchor more deeply into that, or you can discover the identities that have been there and start to let them fall away. Talk a little bit about the role of identity and belief, particularly I think when, when it comes from the perspective of having, you know, a certain cultural background or a certain religious background or a certain economic background, people buy into those identities so strongly that it actually creates a trajectory for life unless one is conscious enough to know themselves and choose to change it. You changed the trajectory of your life, but utilized your background as a foundational basis for that. Speak a little bit to those topics, please. Yeah, it's it's our our reputations can become cages, and you know, 
we you know we we've lived templated for so long you know whether it's our heritage our culture um, our religion you know acting like the people that grew up in the neighborhood that we come from um, our our gender roles everything all of these things you know it's always a mixture of our nature and our nurture and so often we never question to say is this really me is this who I am um, or is this me just following the script and oftentimes following the script and wearing the mask causes so much tension because it is suppressing the real us and I think that contributes to, to feelings of isolation and depression and for me I definitely, you know, as you, you went through that list of the different factors affecting our identity, I, I went through all of it. You know, I, my father was a cab driver and we grew up, you know, lower middle class. And I grew up thinking anybody who was, you know, who, who was white collar was pretentious and greedy because I didn't know anybody who was white collar. Every All my friends all had blue collar parents. We were all children of immigrants. Everybody did manual labor. You know, nobody had an opportunity to earn off their education. And we were going to be that first generation to, to go to school and and get a job that was required a, the, us to use, you know, our, our, our training and intelligence more so than our, our manual labor. And I remember transitioning into the world of white collar work and then eventually, you know, being very fortunate to, 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 be around people who've impacted the planet and, and are, are more wealthy and realizing that, hey, like, you know, maybe 10% of every room just has unpleasant people. And it doesn't matter about their tax bracket or really their beliefs or, or, or the color of their skin or their heritage. You know, we're all, you know, we're all people. And, you know, that was something I had to unlearn, you know, my identity as a visible minority and growing up in the city of Toronto, which is the most multicultural city in the world. And having to leave that to come out to L.A. and spend time in New York and and seeing these different cultural differences made me start to question like, whoa, OK, maybe I was living in a bubble thinking that everybody thought like me or acted like me in a certain way. And, you know, the same thing with our parents trying their best to to instill a level of heritage and culture into us, you know, based on the tools that they had and the scope of life that they had and realizing at some point that, hey, you know, I can't continue the ideas that they kind of embedded into me because these ideas are no longer relevant on this side of the pond or this side of the ocean. And it took a lot of, you know, leaving my comfort zone, having a foot in the unfamiliar, being uncomfortable, being constantly challenged for me to decide, okay, well, what is my real foundation? And, you know, growing up dealing with a lot of racism, you know, I, I, I hated it. And all I wanted to do was blend in and, and be a fly on the wall. And later on, I realized that, you know, dealing with all that challenge, dealing with all those challenges to my identity allowed me to really figure out who I was. And now as an, as an adult, I get to, I'm living on my own terms and knowing and taking responsibility to, to be myself. And it's so easy for us to, you know, stake our identity into our beliefs and uh, stake our identity into our achievements. And the thing with this is those, those aren't us and those can go away tomorrow. And if we lose those, we shouldn't be losing ourselves from it. You know, if anything, if we lose those, we should be closer to our authentic selves. And I think it's, it's really good to be around people who don't believe, think, act, or even love like you. And, you know, seeing those differences will have you questioning yourself. And that's a good thing. It's not a challenge to who you are, um, per se. It's more uh, an opportunity for you to, to take off some of the masks that you may not know you're wearing.
You said something about, you know, coming from a certain environment or a certain family life and looking at the world a certain way. And, and so often when we're younger, there is this desire, this rebellion, this desire to get away from where we are and to be somewhere else or to be someone or to achieve something or to have significance. And in the way that social media kind of moves now, there's a, a, a dark shadow side to social media where it's all about getting attention, whereas it's really evident, especially in the way that you wrote this book and what you were doing in the process, that what you were doing was giving attention to the places within yourself, to what needed to exude from you creatively, but also what needed to be uh, given attention to emotionally or, or psychologically. And in that, it created a result that maybe was not specifically intended of allowing that to be shared. Talk a little bit about your view or the distinction between giving attention and getting attention. Um, I think all human beings have this need for significance. And I don't think any of us should uh, feel bad for it. I think it's extremely important that we you know, recognize as, as creatures that, you know, we need to be acknowledged and our survival almost depends on it. I think we just have to be mindful that there are a million different paths to receiving this type of recognition, attention, uh, and connection. And some are more sustainable than others. You know, we can easily chase attention online because, you know, they've made it nice and convenient to count your likes and count your followers. But it's a never-ending journey. And I feel like, you know, the safety and security and significance that we require, I think there's more sustainable ways when we start to pay attention. And instead of looking at the world as a, a thing for us, instead looking at ourselves as a resource for the world and focusing on our service towards others and finding significance knowing that we can impact the lives of others, that we can contribute to our communities we can contribute to the overall narrative of our species. And I think for me, it was really important to, to see that distinction, which was, you know, chasing attention is like getting a bunch of potato chips. You know, it, it tastes really good and it might be cost effective and it's really convenient. But in the long run, it's just going to leave you tired. And, uh, you know, paying attention is really, you know, taking a healthier, uh, you know, it may not always be the most uh, fun but, you know, paying attention will, will help us connect with people on a deeper level. And that's the connection that we're all longing for. So often as creatives, the desire is to constantly allow that juice to flow. I think we are naturally creators. We are the sons and daughters of creation. So that is our innate ability. And when we move into that place of creation, we also live in a world where we're kind of conditioned into believing that everything needs to be a product or a service or sold or manufactured or turned into something rather than the essence of the creativity itself shining through. And that can sometimes lead people to keep working harder and lose sight of the initial essence that was joyful. And how do you not allow yourself to get caught up or is it a process still of balance that you're learning in not getting caught up in the work, work, work uh, aspect of the next thing or how do I keep up with, with the growth and that type of thing. Because I think a lot of people get caught up in that cycle and then can't seem to get out. 
Um, I'm I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I think we all get caught up in it. Um, you know, I'm I'm an author and an artist, and I and I'm a creator, but I also have to manage my business. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I have an inbox full of people pulling me left, right, and center to to get my attention, to handle the logistics of my tours, and to handle the releases, and you know, even to set up things like this interview and. Uh, you know, so often I, I hear myself saying, like, man, you're an artist. You shouldn't be on your calendar all day or you shouldn't be replying to emails all day. You should be creating. And the thing is, it's, it's, ideal, it's idealistic to think that that's all we can do. You know, I think even people, you know, who have unlimited resources and can hire an entire team, they still got to deal with the challenges that life is going to face them. Some of us are just in a better situation to maybe handpick the challenges that come our way. And I think it's a daily reminder. It's the same way we got to shower and brush our teeth every day, maybe even more than once a day to, to keep it going. And I think it's the same thing with this daily reminder, remembering our why, remembering our purpose, remembering why we started, remembering the authentic fun we had doing this and recognizing that, hey, things are going to change. Uh, things are going to reveal themselves. You know, we're going to walk the yellow brick road and eventually you know, see behind the curtains and realize the big Wizard of Oz was, was nothing more than a ruse. And, and that's okay. You know, there's, there's things to be learned from that. And when our expectations aren't met, that isn't the end of the world. That's the beginning of a whole new journey of learning. From Humble the Poet's book, Things No One Else Can Teach Us. I had daydreamed about being a full-time artist forever, and here I was spending more time in front of a computer doing everything except art. At that time, I realized that getting paid didn't feel better than doing something that made me happy. That's ironic, because I thought I had learned that lesson when I left teaching to become an artist in the first place. But at some point, everything had stopped becoming about the adventure and creativity, and had become about earning money. I relied on the shows to make money, since otherwise I was broke, but it was killing everything else I cared about. Despite my thin pockets, that moment made me stop booking shows. And because I wasn't earning from shows anymore, I had to downgrade my lifestyle. It was a very welcome trade because it freed up my time so I could create again. Time is always worth more than money. You can make your money back. But once time is spent, it's gone for good. You can find out more about Humble the Poet's upcoming UK tour, which begins November 9th, as well as his Canadian visits uh, on his website, humblethepoet.com. Definitely check out more uh, on his other book as well, Unlearn, which was a Globe and Mail bestseller, as well as featured in a lot of other media outlets. Uh, You can connect to more of his information on Instagram and understand that this very unique and beautiful soul is sharing what he has learned, the things no one else can teach us, a guide that will allow you to dive more deeply into your own raw and honest stories of your life. We'll be right back after these messages. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, 
greater fulfillment and life purpose, the 1111 Mastermind community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome back. I'd love to let you know that we are creating a beautiful mastermind community at 1111 Magazine. I have had the opportunity of coming across so many incredible individuals that are doing beautiful work. And we are creating a, an online course platform that is accessible and easy and allows you to deepen into many of the things that your heart and soul are desiring. So take advantage of checking out the 1111mag.com website and see whatever resonates. Uh, the magazines digitally are always free. The radio shows are always archived. And everything is there to allow you to expand your mind, broaden your heart, and deepen into your spirit. There is no fun waiting for us after the work. There's just more work. More year-ends, more midterms, more tests, more projects, more patients, more students, more clients, more customers. It never ends. So the least we can do is enjoy it while we're doing it. That can come from either finding something we already enjoy or reprogramming what we're already doing and adding more fun to it. This is some of the wisdom from Humble the Poet, who is a rapper-spoken artist poet, international best-selling author, and former elementary school teacher. His first book was titled Unlearn, and this is his second book, Things No One Else Can Teach Us, that just released. He is going on tour in the UK as of November 9th, and we'll have some other Canadian tour dates set up as well. Check out his website, humblethepoet.com. Follow him on Instagram, and also check out his video, Hair. 
It is a wonderful video that you can find on YouTube that is beautifully done, and um, I think you'll enjoy it when you see it. So, Humble, welcome back, and um, I loved the story about the ping pong table and Mm -hmm. how you discovered how important it is to make sure that there is fun in everything, and there, I know in my own experience, growing up as a child, I think I became an adult at four, so I forgot how to play and have fun, and many of us do that, whether it's from our culture or whether it is individuals in the world that feel like they have to get ahead and it becomes about work, 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 or we're conditioned in the educational system to just keep going and become very, very serious. Speak a little bit about bringing the fun back and making sure that it is a continuous part of life in order to balance. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was recently, uh, actually two days ago, I was walking through Brooklyn and... Um, there were, you know, uh, there are there was a young child kind of dancing in the sh- dancing on the sidewalk, you know, and she was not paying attention, and you know, at, you know, adults were pleasantly just walking around her, you know, not really annoyed that she was taking up space. Um, and then later on, there was, you know, a homeless man also taking up space, and you can see a completely different reaction to his existence compared to the child. And it was kind of just a moment where I realized, like, hey, if he, what's the difference in, in terms of the way he's acting and the way she's acting? You know, when an adult acts like a child, we don't appreciate it as much. But all we're trying to do is, is recapture those feelings of childhood. You know, and nostalgia is so important to us. And, you know, uh, we, we, we love according to, to what we saw growing up. We, we, you know, we, we build our homes in, 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 in representation to how we grew up because it feels familiar and safe. And I think chasing the fun is the only reason any artist ever existed. You know, in the beginning, earning from our art wasn't even an option. It was the reward was the work. And then somewhere along the lines, you know, the real world kicked in and, and kicked our butts. And then, you know, things became fun was going to be that two day weekend you know, versus enjoying, you know, every moment that we had. And I think it's really important to realize that to, to keep this journey going, we have to have fun and it has to be regular. And uh, that's the only way to keep this sustainable. Um, a paycheck will not make this sustainable. You know, recognition from other people will not, not make this sustainable. It's, it's only going to be sustainable if we're having fun and, and dancing on the rainbow. And then we won't care if there's a pot of gold. Mm-hmm. You write, there's no win or lose, there's only win or learn, which is truly powerful uh, because then we can take everything that happens and understand that all of it has been stepping stones to greatness, our own greatness and our own normalcy, but that it's all there for our, our own satisfaction and fulfillment. How did you come to the place where you really anchored into there's no loss? Um, I, th- I think it's kind of a look, I mean, I think we have all had these experiences, you know, where we've done trial and error on something and we didn't have any emotion attached to it. Maybe we were trying out a new recipe, um, you know, maybe we were testing out new neighborhoods, maybe we were going on a lot of dates and, you know, we kind of went in with this attitude that like, hey, everything's not going to work out. But every time something doesn't work out, that's one less thing for me to worry about now. And I'm going to keep going until I, I figure out 
you know, what I need to do, like a science experiment. Um, and then there's other times when we, we don't allow that trial and error attitude to, to apply. And the first time we try, we expect ourselves to just get it perfectly. And I think for me, I, I really wanted to adopt that attitude towards everything in life. You know, as, as human beings, we didn't walk perfectly the first time we attempted it. You know, we didn't we didn't get up and just immediately start running. We got up, we fell down, we got back up, we fell down, we got up, maybe we leaned against the wall. And it happened probably over the course of a month or two. Um, it wasn't that we, we fell down on our butt and we thought to ourselves, well, this isn't for me. I'm not meant to be a walker. You know, we, we stuck with it. And, and good things happen when you stick with it. And I think the only reason we don't stick with it is because of our attitude towards failure. And, you know, failure isn't the opposite of success. You know, failure is the path that gets paved to success. You know, it's a part of the process. And uh, for me, that's where I, I realize this. Like, it, it isn't win or, win or lose. It's win or learn. You know, either you figure it out or you figure it out what you don't need to do and you move on to the next thing. And, and have that with an enthusiastic attitude and, and you'll see how much farther you can go. You made a transition from teaching school to choosing to be a writer. And, and for individuals that are in jobs either that don't feel like the right fit or that they don't like anymore or uh, that they've been let go from, it takes courage to make those transitions into something that you really want to do when you don't know if the security is there, when you don't know what that unknown is going to look like. Speak a little bit to stepping out of the conformity and into that place of courage of where you chose something different for yourself. Um, I think it chose me. I don't think, you know, I think there definitely is a, uh, you know, I'm on the tail end of a millenn- being a millennial, but I think there's definitely uh, this popularized idea that we should all be able to live our passions. And um, I, I, I strongly disagree with that. You know, I don't think the generations before us even thought about that. I think most people worked to survive, and, and that's been the common narrative for thousands of years. Um, I think we should be working our obsessions, and we should be living a life to discover those obsessions. And I think with me, you know, I never even conceived being an artist as a full-time job would ever happen. You know, no, there were no artists that looked like me. There was nobody on TV that looked like me. There was nobody in, on the music channels that looked like me. You know, there was nobody in the public eye that looked like me. And I think it was really important for me to, to, to realize that this was, this continually pulled me anyways. I was, you know, I was working as an elementary school teacher. I was also tutoring high school kids uh, four hours a night. And then I come home and start writing rhymes and writing poetry and recording and releasing stuff online on YouTube. And I didn't need any motivation. I didn't need to dig deep to, to find the energy to do it. it. It had to happen. And I think we all have these obsessions. Um, and we just have to describe, we just have to, you know, live life so we can discover them. Um, so I think that was part of it. It was also, you know, I, at, at that point in my life, you know, I was going through a lot of challenges and hard times. So I actually, you know, pulled the trigger and left my job before I could financially, before I had anything set up. I, I, had, I thought I had a deal and I, and, I, and I really didn't. And it put me in a lot of financial hardship. It took me, you know, I, I, I went into $80,000 of debt, you know, it, within the first year of trying to be an artist. 
And then it took me about four years to dig myself out of that. I had to sell my place. I had to move back in with my parents. I had to get rid of all my stuff. I became an involuntary minimalist. And um, from that perspective, you know, it's the only reason it could happen. And I, I was fueled to do it was because this is my purpose. You know, this is what I was designed to do. I'm not a swimmer. I'm not a dancer. You know, I'm not a painter. You know, I'm not an engineer. You know, I'm a writer. I put words together. I bring ideas to life. And this is my contribution to society. And uh, I think that's important for people to kind of discover what that is in them. Um, so I look at us as we, we shouldn't be doing what we want to do. We should be doing what we have to do. And once we have to do it, there, there won't be any uh, unsurmountable obstacles getting in our way. Mm. As we close out the show, I want to ask one last question. It's around your concept of patience being a superpower. Yes, I think understanding patience isn't sitting around and doing nothing. Patience is respecting the time things take to form. You know, this online culture has this, you know, has shot our patience and we want everything immediately. But good things don't happen immediately. You know, you plant a seed, it's still going to grow. Nature still has its own timeline. If we, if, you know, you break your leg tomorrow, there's, there's very few things you can do to speed up the healing, but there's many, many things you can do to slow it down. And I think we need to recognize that whether we're healing a broken heart or whether we're planting seeds uh, for our career or whether we're building a relationship with somebody we care about, it takes time and we have to respect that time. And respecting that time that it takes is how I define patience. Mm. Thank you, Humble, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. Humble the Poet inspires us to create these silver linings ourselves, preparing us to better handle any challenges that may arise From a breakup to going broke to losing a loved one, our hardest moments can help us flourish, but only if we recognize and seize the opportunity. In the grand scheme, this means nothing because all of us are nothing. So have fun and breathe in, breathe out with a smile. Lots of cultures and beliefs are built on the idea that humans are extra special, that creation exists for us. So they've pressured us not to squander our gifts. Those ideas may have worked when we had to look up at the stars, but eventually we looked up long enough and became to a better understanding. Then we were able to go up there and start looking down at ourselves. We chase significance in being seen, but there's so much more freedom in obscurity and insignificance when life gets its heaviest. That's the totem we need to bring us back. This is from his book, Things No One Else Can Teach Us. You can find out more about him and his upcoming tours at HumbleThePoet.com. My guest next week is Morgan Field, and we're going to talk about the epic sexy you. I hope you'll join me. Until then, in love, of love, with love, and as love, I am Simran. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality. Your heart to greater compassion and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.